All right, good evening, good day, good night, wherever you are. Here we are for another episode of Mass Adoption. Today we bring to you a conversation with Simona Pop, co-founder of the Bounties Network and Chief Engagement Officer for People. Sit with us while we explore the whys, the what's and the hows of her past, present and future projects. One word comes to mind, empowerment. With you, Simona Pop. All right, I cannot lie and say that I wasn't thinking of this interview from the day that I got the idea for this podcast. Um, Simona is probably my first crypto friend when she decided to actually say bless you when I sneezed during a crypto conference. In, it was in the factory in Berlin um, some time ago. And there was about like a hundred people crowding around us. And I sneezed like, you know, the surprise sneeze that you just like can't hold back. And she was the only person that said, bless you. So Simona, bless you. Thanks for coming. <laughs> hello, hello. And that was obviously before uh, Corona times because oh, we yes. would have all run away from you um, mm -hmm. if you sneezed right now. No. <laughs> um I really so, tried yeah, to start was, this episode without a Corona reference. It's like, it's impossible. <laughs> it's just. I had to go there. I had to go there. I think um, we'll, we'll keep it, get it out at the beginning. So we mm -hmm. keep away from it for the rest of the, the interview. I think that's the strategy. Yes. Well, if any of you, dear listeners, know me or Simona, you know that we are highly social people and we're not taking social distancing too well, right? I think it's it's one of those um, situations where this ecosystem in itself, the Ethereum ecosystem, is so based on that joy of being around each other and that joy of communicating and engaging and being around each other at these certain events that we have in our calendars um, for for the year. That it's it's really a, a like a celebration when we do get together. So it's obvious that we're always very close. We're always hugging. We're always having all of these very interesting conversations all together and in groups of people and in bigger and smaller and, and so on. So yeah, social distancing in crypto, I think is, is, uh, is an interesting one, but then again, most of us are nomads and work remotely. So I think that was also a, uh, the intensity was also due to the fact that a lot of us don't necessarily, you know, have a normal work office hour dynamic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, as far as industries go, um, ours um, can keep going. I saw someone on Twitter make yeah. a, a very good joke. Um, Impact of Corona on crypto industry zero percent because none of the projects had a revenue stream to speak of anyway. <laughs> I mean, sorry. Um, yeah, but you know what? Let's let's travel back in time, as is, it is traditional in the beginning of every mass adoption episode. Mass with an E, of course. Um, yes. What is your crypto origin story? I know I've asked you this before, but I don't remember. So. It basically starts as um, I, my background is very much around marketing, around communication, around experiential, around creative strategy. So um, back in 2017, 
I was um, doing comms and and marketing for a uh, startup in London, in the UK. And it was a tech startup, and it was focused on supply chain. Um, and the idea was that we essentially wanted to redesign a lot of the current models that are clearly broken and aren't working in terms of the um, mainly in terms of transparency and being able to track data. What those guys were building was not blockchain based, was not uh, a, a blockchain project, but they were certainly looking towards blockchain as a potential and their estimate was maybe we'll go that route in two or three years' time. But then at the same time, I was doing a lot of research into blockchain because, you know, my uh, my role was about communication, was about looking at, okay, what are the different avenues? What are the different technologies out there? What are the different things that people are interested in and talking about? And the more I researched, the more I went down the rabbit hole. Um, and that's how I kind of found um, consensus um, that had a project in uh, supply chain that then they were already working, like they were already shipping. And so I thought, okay, there's stuff already being built on uh, you know, on blockchains and and dealing with uh, crypto, and I was there. So I decided to um, to to stop working in a Web two scenario and and dive headfirst into Web three, and that's how I came to know Mark, who was the founder of the Bounties Network, and that's how I became a co-founder of the Bounties Network. And from there, we essentially embarked on this amazing, amazing journey. Um, of really looking at how um, the bounty as a format, as a smart contract, can actually really, really uh, streamline and completely redesign um, the way we disperse funds, the way we're able to incentivize different actions across different verticals. And that was one of the, you know, the the biggest um or the most exciting things for me was this ability to experiment how you could apply this very, very simple uh, format into a variety of different uh, verticals, not just uh, focused on development, not just focused on code, not just focused on uh, the, the technical side. Yeah. So if you're a listener that's... Um just somehow wandered here and doesn't know what a bounty is. Bounties traditionally yes. are attempts at attacking or identifying bugs in the code, in the code base of something, and you get a reward for it, much like a bounty hunter. Actually, so, so the, the bounties have been around for a very long time before they obviously gained their nefarious connotations of bounties on people's heads and so on. But a bounty, if you look at it as the definition, it is simply a task that an individual or an organization sets out and then somebody fulfills it and there's a reward attached to it. Because bounties are built on Ethereum, that reward is in crypto. And that's the major difference of bounties in this, uh, in our ecosystem. Now, yes, primarily their primary use right now is for bugs and code, mainly because that is essentially what most of the people in our ecosystem are 
in terms of archetypes. They are developers. Bounties do exist in the web too as well, no? Or They do, they do, but that's what I mean. It's essentially just a task. You could call any task that's out there, you could call it a bounty because that's what they are. Just the terminology obviously has those negative connotations so a lot of people don't. But any task that you set out, somebody uh, fulfill, um, completes it, and there's a reward attached to it, that's a bounty. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for me, the mysticism of a bounty contains a certain degree of artfulness and talent involved in making it happen. It is, okay. it is something hard. It's not just like, hey, I have a bounty. Can you move my couch? You could. You could call that a bounty. But I feel, I feel that there is a, there's a interesting drama to a bounty. Interesting. That, yeah. Like so many yeah, of the design I mean, bounties of, of, of the bounty right. network that I used to look at that were yeah, interesting, yes. like um, find a solution to this, uh, design a poster for this, you know, it, it was like something that contained. Like you look at it as a skilled, it required yeah. a skill. It contained not only a promise of pay, but a promise of glory. That's what I'm talking about. Mm, I like that. I think that's, that's an interesting um angle to look at it from and also potentially looking at all of the other uh use cases that we discovered for bounties it was see for me it's very much about rewarding people for the value that they uh that they put out so some of the things that we use bounties for was user research for different projects that usually happens Somebody asks you, hey, do you mind giving me some feedback out of the goodness of your own heart, right? But if you are going to do user research, you should absolutely reward the people so that you're you the speak interviewee. to. That's nice. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and we did that for our own product and other projects then followed suit because it worked so well. And also because you are doing that and because it was interesting because it was crypto, we had such a broad spectrum of people applying for for um, that user research that I think we had Corwin, our designer, um, at the time. He put out a user research bounty, and we had people from over 150 countries apply. Oh my God, that's nice. Yeah, so I was one of the reasons I was so excited to have you over. It's because you're likely to be one of the people most dedicated or obsessed with the idea <laughs> of having a complete um, non-crypto people use crypto and with a special focus on helping marginalized populations achieve um, access to funds and also currency sovereignty through crypto, which is a master use case, right? And you've had many adventures, many forays into that area. Um, yes. So many that we probably couldn't fit in one episode. But do you have any <laughs> like super cool stories you'd like to share? And maybe you want to package in there like, I wouldn't call them tips, but um, yeah, benchmark best practices, things that you noticed that work or things that you noticed we should avoid. Um, yeah, tell us a story and maybe tell us what gets you angry about like other projects. That could be meaty. Yeah. 
anger is not a productive um, energy. I think frustrated I do get um, from time to time, mainly because I think it's so important to understand that in this, and which is a, a big benefit of blockchain and, and projects built um, on, on Ethereum is that you have to collaborate with others. And I think this whole idea of Legos, this whole idea of um, building things by stacking and linking and so on, I think that is the big appeal. Um, but at the same time, when you do want to do something and then you depend on three other, four other projects that are maybe slower, there is this, that is this, that is this, um, it's, it's very difficult to do your job very smoothly when, again, you have to constantly make excuses for, oh, really, sorry, this isn't working or this isn't available in your country or, um, you know, this is taking a while or there's 10 steps for you to get onboarded and so on. So it's it's it has been frustrating and I have felt those those frustrations at, at um, different points. But I think the main um the main um, angle here is being able to really put this technology out there for people to use because they need it, right? Most of the things that we've been doing so far, and certainly some of the hackathons and so on, are really looked at from the perspective of, hey, let's get together and build something over a weekend, but without thinking what is the end use case for this particular thing that we are building. And that was very much the, the, the scenario in 2017, 2018, but I am pleased to say that I am definitely seeing the evolution, even in the last six months, um, of people really building to solve a problem, really building with the user in mind. And it warms my heart to see this because that means we are getting people who come in because they know of an issue that they would like to solve or because they are really, really committed to, um, you know, changing the status quo to offering that choice and opportunity where there is none. And really that for me is the biggest piece that blockchain introduces into the dynamics um, that we have today is it offers choice and opportunity where right now there are none. And it doesn't mean just third world countries far, far away. It doesn't just mean the unbanked that we constantly talk about. It means literally everybody who right now is stuck in a situation that is not helping them. That is not, um, you know, um, uh, conducive to a um, happy existence, to a, let's say, comfortable existence, to a um, an existence that actually is, um, val I guess, meaningful, let's say. And that applies to people who are, yes, unbanked, but also underbanked. That also applies to people who are stuck in jobs that they absolutely despise because there is no other choice for them. And I think being able to create alternatives is what we should absolutely focus on. And it's one of the main things that I've always looked at in all of my work. And, and as you know, that all of that work spans across many, many different things. It's not necessarily just the... Um, 
the projects that I primarily work in, but I am genuinely passionate about getting crypto adoption. I am genuinely passionate about us being able to bring people in or make people aware that this is a very fertile opportunity for them to take and build or get involved or be able to tap into that will genuinely create change. Um, so in terms of examples, I think the, the main two that, that I think are very, very meaningful and also very easily understandable are looking at the bounty model is one of the things that we used it for um, a lot was this social and environmental impact, where actually you didn't require a particular set of skills to be able to to fulfill this bounty it was we will pay you if you um, submit a verifiable proof of uh, a trash cleanup and that's where we had people who were coming in without any in-depth knowledge of blockchain they were coming in because it was interesting they had an interest in um, in crypto and they were able to earn it versus buy it and this has been a pattern that for me has proven its value many, many, many times over this earn versus buy. Because again, when you go out of the States and Western Europe, buying crypto is like navigating a maze slash minefield. You have no idea what the hell is going on. You have no idea what's good, what's not, what's a scam, what isn't how to do it. Some exchanges aren't even available in certain countries. So earning crypto has been a key um, element in adoption for me. And I have used it in earn as you learn um, uh, models where we would reward people for advancing through um, certain educational material. I have used it for um, onboarding. I've used it for feedback for certain projects a whole, whole manner of different um, of different kind of setups or certain uh, experiments. And, and then the second one is um, being able to transact or, or transact value in a much, much simpler um, way. And the example I give with this is actually um, with Peepo, the, the project that I'm, um, I'm with now as, as engagement officer, it's um, basically um, one of the, the members of the Bounties Network community who had fulfilled one of those trash cleanup bounties as his first kind of um, earning crypto experience um, is a guy called Brandon. He's homeless in Phoenix, Arizona. And so um, he started doing these. We like I I saw his uh, feedback. He joined our um, community. He started. I started chatting to him. I even did a um, an interview with him, which I actually paid him for because again he was giving me a lot of information and a lot of feedback, and I thought it was important for him to get rewarded for that. And um, he then, after he did this cleanup one, he started doing a whole bunch of others. Like he did an art one. He did, um, I think, a user research one. There were, he started doing um, a few. And um, he was earning ETH and then cashing out at a crypto ATM. 
And he then at some point just like kind of stopped doing any, um, any bounties. And so I messaged him and asked, Hey, is everything okay? Are you okay? Um, everything cool? How can I help if it isn't? And he basically just um, uh, messaged me and said, Oh, I, I was using the secondhand laptop and um, it finally went kaput, like it died a death. So um, I recorded my third video on people. I recorded this video saying, do I know anybody in Phoenix, Arizona? Um, who might also potentially have a secondhand laptop. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, I put that out on a Friday night and nobody was from Phoenix, Arizona, but by su- Sunday night, so that's like 48 hours, I had over $250 in people tokens that people had sent me and had liked on the video. Wow. And what I was able to do was in the people store, turn that into an Amazon voucher, send Brandon the Amazon voucher code. He bought a laptop, got it delivered at the an Amazon pickup point in Phoenix, and then the local library lets him store it overnight so it doesn't get stolen or damaged. Now, from end to end... When are you guys so filming that, this documentary as people? I know, I know, I Can know. I it, it needs to be done. Invite me. <laughs> I need to, um, I think... I basically need to um, to to chat to him again and see where he he is. Um, he I know that he was moving away from um, Phoenix maybe a month or so ago, so I need to to check up on him. But essentially, if you look at Friday night to let's say okay Sunday night to get the money, so that's forty eight hours. Let's say another twelve hours or another. 24 by the time he bought it and so on. That is extremely fast mm-hmm. from end to end and being able to crowdsource those funds. What would have been the alternatives for me in the web two or, or status quo world? I He would have had to have a bank account, mm-hmm. right? And also or all the donors I, would have to have a bank account. That or I could have had a Venmo and a PayPal because I don't have Venmo. I'm not in the States, so I have PayPal. People typically who have Venmo don't have PayPal. So I would have necessarily asked them to download blah, blah. Uh, Otherwise, I would have had to put up a GoFundMe page or something like that. All of them would have taken a hell of a lot longer. Yeah, it's just wasteful even from an energy point of view, like the amount of humans and people that would have. right. Exactly. And so that was, and and it continues to be of the biggest, biggest appeal to me, how you can transact value, disperse funds in such an easy way across borders, across currencies, across interacting with people who don't have bank accounts, who aren't served by the banking system, which by the way, if you look at the countries that are in the SWIFT network, i.e. enabling international payments, there's a lot that aren't in there. There's a yeah. lot that is just like a line drawn and gone. Nope. I think Brazil is not in there. And it takes probably not a gigantic not. amount of time to get funds. Right. Um, I had an immense amount of pleasure to go to Brazil for the first time after four years. My story okay. is not as uh, radical as this one, but the the main pillars of what it allowed me to be and become are very similar. 
I, I rocked up at a DAO. I started proposing my own bounties to the DAO. And lo and behold, I paid all my bills for four months, um, all through the DAO. And I, right. and I was in a deficit, in a big, big deficit that was accumulating over the like eight months before or something like this. Um, so not too dissimilar. And I had the pleasure to go back to Brazil for the first time in four years and close my bank account and withdraw all the paper money that was not so much that was left there being pinged away by the, it was a beautiful moment. Um, almost as beautiful as having a driver's license again. Um, Simona, this is an incredible <laughs> story because it, it does, it does have like all of the, the ingredients that we need to touch people with. We need to have more of these stories, honestly. We have Yes. Um, and so this was your like third interaction with people. And now I guess you had many more. What's, what's coming next for, for people and what makes you excited about it? So for me, again, because you mentioned um, people and you mentioned these stories, I think, again, those are very, very important in our story of adoption and, and in our ability to get this technology to the mainstream. I think it's incredibly important to tell stories that are about the value that these technologies can, can have in many different guises for many different types of people, not just the ones that are already here, not just the ones that know everything, not just the ones that have been in the crypto space or or involved in crypto for four, five, 10 years. Um, I think it's, the thing that excites me the most is that I am seeing people Looking at current, so this from a from a people perspective, where um, just for for background, it essentially enables creators to create video um, content in video format, and also because it has a token, the people token you can reward those creators for the content that they put out there, and also as I mentioned, you can also transact. Um, within the app and also have the offboarding, which is a key problem for so many, so many um, projects and applications and, and certain initiatives where without that offboarding piece, it really is like giving magic internet money to people for a lot mm -hmm. of cases, right? And so having that people store where you can redeem, yes, it is gift vouchers for now, but what if you were able to directly go and spend it and uh, with other projects or with local businesses that are able to accept it and so on? So really, the, the, the possibilities are quite vast. I think for me right now, something really, really exciting is I'm looking and we're certainly seeing, damn, I... I said I won't mention Corona again, but I'm going to have to. Let's do um, it. Let's just call it. Let's just call it the current climate. Um, so, because we've all been pushed into this virtual world, right? The world has gone virtual, and for a lot of people, like for us, it's not that big of a stretch, right? Mm, it yeah. actually really is. We're a bunch but of for a lot of people, no, but for, but but our work is digital. 
mm-hmm. is primary, like what, 99.99% digital. For a lot of other people who have uh, businesses or have their activities in the IRL, in real it's life, what happens? What happens now? What do I do? And you're seeing a lot of people in doing things like meditation, yoga, fitness, um, all of these people, including musicians and artists, done. Like, how do you now, how are you able to continue doing what you're doing in this current situation? And yes, a lot of them are doing it on Zoom. And yes, a lot of them are doing it on Instagram Live. But what you're seeing is... They're either doing it for free or they have to set up some GoFundMe page or a PayPal or a Venmo for people to be able to pay them. And that's like, again, the complexities that come with that, the, the, if I'm talking to an international audience that may not have those things, how do we mitigate that? And how am I able to still get the value that should come my way because I am delivering valuable content? How do you solve for that value transacting piece? Right? Because yes, likes I'm, I should, aren't going to pay the rent. I should maybe add this uh, introduction of the episode later, but. In case you haven't figured it out, People is a social media platform based on video where likes are worth money and you can redeem them for vouchers in a store, but there's a vision for uh, a more like liquid form. Much more. Yeah. And Simona is the chief engagement officer for that platform and it's her job to figure out how she's going to get all of us hooked. Uh, on this not so much more complicated platform than the things that we already use every day. Oh my God, so much simpler because, and and this is the thing, um, and and because we we were chatting earlier before we, we pressed record, but user experience is also something that has been an absolute paramount ingredient in onboarding people and striving for for mass crypto adoption and we really struggle yes and we really struggle with that as an ecosystem but again for me all of the projects that i've been involved with from bounties we won the ux awards at defcon 4 and people who have been awarding UX awards across the um the hackathon circuit in ethereum Mm -hmm. they it is a key piece in the building in the iterations in the vision of what the products are and how they introduce crypto and how they bake crypto into the flow because it has to flow if it doesn't flow you know, I I remember this one time when I tried to get a designer friend of mine back in 2018 to fulfill one of these design bounties that you mentioned. And he, no, he had never, like, yes, he knew of crypto and so on, and maybe even traded it a little bit on Coinbase, but never, ever had he gotten, a, you know, a Web3 uh, browser um, wallet and so on. So I got him to um, get MetaMask. 
And then I just pinged him maybe like five hours later or something like that and said, hey, how's it going? And he just went, oh, I got to step 10, had to get a drink, but I'll, I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. I'm like, you're never going to come back to it. And indeed, he never fulfilled that bounty yeah. and has not completed that at all. So yeah. I think you bombarded me to my first phone wallet. And then I received 70 <laughs> in said wallet. And then I put my phone to fix and said phone never came back. Oh, no. What? Yeah, I don't know no. what happened. It got lost with my son. Wow. But it's not your fault, of course, but it's just the kind of thing that uh, <laughs> beginners do. You know, like, it's, just, it's my phone, it's fine. And it's just like 7 ETH. At the time, we were at a low, like it was like 7 ETH each. I don't know. It's, I don't know. But it's, I, I deeply, deeply, it pains me deeply. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry for your loss. <laughs> I can hear a siren in the back. Okay, the um, so people people might hold a piece of the puzzle, and as I often do in these episodes, I kind of underline incredible things that the guests have said. And Simona has machine gunned us with a bunch of concepts, but I think I can condense them into one like user experience new term that she coined here first, you saw first in mess adoption, which is the earn flow, right? Because the whole point is earn versus buy and how easy is the flow for the user to use your product to earn their first crypto. So what's your earn flow might be the question for 2020. I don't know, you know? And in people, the earn flow is super easy because yes. any interaction that people have with the content you've just created basically gives you money. Um, yes. And it's getting expensive now. How much is one people at the moment? Oh, let's you check. It used to be like we? one cent, and now it's probably like almost two. So, let's see. Um, no, I think it's less than that. Um, let me define that quickly. Okay, so it's about a hundred people tokens for a dollar. Ah, okay. So around, but this is this might be Corona times. There was a moment around FCC where it was um, hitting. Yes, up like, it was really high, and yeah. I think I think I think I'm I'm actually still flabbergasted at this conclusion. Because I keep telling everyone that I wanted to, one of the, the hidden curricula goals of this podcast is to start an informal process of building a ecosystem-wide roadmap for the crossroads of UX opportunities and then help people mm -hmm. build products around them. And ideally, if they build them as communities, right? So this, this is my like master plan um, as a facilitator creating participatory art and on the web three but i won't i would only tell this to you i don't tell this to other people uh, <laughs> but the point being i think with this earn flow con like the earn flow concepts and DeFi, etc etc i have a much better um as if i had a rifle before but you just gave me a scope like you you just gave me a way to hunt like more precisely for these opportunities. And I think okay. people is sort of like 
Okay. I don't think the guns uh, metaphor is really nice, but I don't know. I'm a boy. It kind of comes like this. Um, I'll clean it up later. Um, okay. But yeah, I think people's, people is one of the first ones, you know, um, you know, we have so many DeFi uh, dApps, but none of them have a way, like I have to have crypto to actually enjoy them. Imagine if there's something I could do for compound that would like generate CDI. Yes. So, and uh, that was all you. I just got that now. I think the whole idea with, and, and this is a conversation that I have had with so many people in the past three years is do incentives muddle the motivation? No, they do not. Incentivizing people. So, this is another thing. When you join people, you get. A, a little pot of people tokens straight off the bat. Yeah, so bucks. you can immediately, right. So you can immediately start experiencing it and, and rewarding people with, with money. Because again, without these small incentives, it's great that I put a product in front of you, but if you can't use it straight away, what is the point? Because you love it, you don't know you love it because you haven't experienced it in any shape or form. Mm -hmm. What we are doing is we're saying, hey, there's this magical world oh, way over here, but first you have to go through all these doors and then go through all these hoops and then pay to get in. And then even when you pay to get in, you still can access everything. It's like going to an all-inclusive hotel and being told or being told there's an all-inclusive thing there. And the, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's got all of these like whatever waterfalls and amazing features. But, you know, first you have to go through all of this desert and then this and then do this and then do this. And they buy this. It's crazy currency. And then do these other things. By the way, you may lose all your money in the process, but also we promise you it's wonderful when you get there. This is what we're doing right now. Yeah, but you're the high priestess that's not fallen under the spell of the oasis because most of all <laughs> other people, once they reach the oasis, they forget about the labyrinth. I think that's the curse of the Web3. It's a lack of empathy for... Potentially, the yeah. Th th this is true. The, the, the lack of empathy is definitely there. And I think the, the, the more... I guess, yes, the, the less you have that or, or the more you get used to your surroundings and you forget the more difficult it is to create those paths. So for me, the way I'm looking at it now is we have to create clear paths for people to reach this place. Mm -hmm. Right now, there are none. There's a jumble. It's like this. Mm -hmm. Creating those paths, and this is what you get um, to with education. And it's one of the reasons why I've been doing intro to web three workshops across the global circuit for over a year now, mm -hmm. because all of those people who are at the beginning of their journey, all of those people who are just starting out, all of those people who are curious need to be shown and guided through a certain portion of that road. There's here's a map of, all it has is an X, but no other information or 
anything to help you navigate mm-hmm. this. So yeah, the, I believe in take, taking by the hand. I think our rate of adoption is so abysmal that if, if, if I could get a grant to get 10 people to just do what I call ant work, which is like to carry the leaves, you know, down and up and down the line. Yeah. Uh, as we always have always done in activism um, ever since time immemorial, um, we would see an explosion of adoption, <laughs> to be honest, because our rates are so abysmal, in my opinion. And But I also forget now, because today I had a happy afternoon because ETH is rallying, and I went yes. and I checked my token set, and I went to my Zerium, and I was really happy about my numbers, and number go up, and this is a, actually a mention, inside joke to the, the Griff episode, um, and all of these things, and I just like effortlessly jumped from one thing to the other, and I send more money to the people in, in the Gitcoin grants. And I looked yes. at the beautiful magic of quadratic funding. And I like, you know, all of these things. Um, I, the more I learn about crypto, the more I feel like I'm, I'm in a constant state of cognitive debt. And if I, mm-hmm. if I stop paying attention for two weeks, God, am I fucked, you know? And, and, and so it's, yeah, we're still like, we're still at that stage where even the innermost operatives uh, struggle to keep up with some aspects of it. Um, it's very intense. It's an intense experience. And I think, you know, it's it's kind of, but, you know, I think they are different levels of the same spectrum. They're different degrees of the same spectrum because this is such a creative time. And, and I remember this, um, very interesting um, quote from Albert Nee from the EF. He was at East London and he gave the, the keynote and he said, we are at a point and this hasn't happened in decades where we have so many elements of the computing stack available for us to shape and build with which means that you can really have these ingredients to be able to create incredible things. But I think we always have to make sure that that creativity or or that ability to build is coexists with a creativity and an intention to empower people not to get power. Because again, this is a big, big difference. Power can invite selfishness. Power is all about control. It's all about holding the reins. It's all about calling the shots. It's all about making the decisions versus empowering is giving agency to others, providing the tools for them to create, to elevate themselves to be able to get things done. And that is the biggest distinction that we as an ecosystem must make and must focus on the empowering versus the power piece. Because otherwise, we're just going to build the same same. Man, old you're going to love that proposal I sent you today. Um, but so the other idea, so this proposal is a mention to agency, which is the new name of the future, which I mentioned in the mm-hmm. first episode of this podcast. And you're going to listen, I'm talking to the imaginary listener now, uh, you're going to hear about this, more about this soon because the grant came through and we're going to push this. 
Yes. I'm, I'm just going to keep it small for now. Um, but I, I also feel that you've like, you gave me an idea now for a, a workshop that I, we, okay. can, we can develop together about earn flows. Okay. Like okay. maybe, maybe it's even like a little page of the Dow kid. I'm, I'm creating accessories for the Dow canvas, so like revenue models for DAOs, earn flows okay. and things like this. And I, 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 I might be just sleep deprived and, and Corona crazy cause I'm in this house for <laughs> six weeks now, but I really think this is an idea that, that was born here. Um, so I'm really excited about it, actually. Let's hope I remember. I'm glad it's recorded. Um, <laughs> and you are also going to have the opportunity to ask a question forward. Okay? Their questions okay. are super interesting. And I'm going to ask them one at a time. Okay? So John asks, okay. Okay. which DeFi protocol is most in need of a decentralized governance solution? Point of finger. Which one is most important for the space and really needs such a solution? Okay. Hmm. Maybe I need to think about this a little bit. What's the second one? Is the second one any like <laughs> any easier? Okay. Are you, are you ready for this? Okay. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Well, I think for you this one is cool. Um, do you think that application-specific blockchains? our benefit in relations to having just one master chain like Ethereum. Sorry, say that again. Do I think that decentralized applications? No, no, application specific blockchains. Oh, right, okay, right. Are a benefit or instead of just relying on one master chain. These are not it's easy It's an interesting questions. one. They are not easy questions. Oh my God. Um, So let's start with the second one real quick, because obviously Peepo is a layer two application. And I think it's one of the main reasons why it is so simple to use. Because you are not dealing with the lag on transactions. You are not dealing with the... Um, cost of transactions. Like I remember having to onboard people and the first thing onto bounties and the first thing I would need to do is to send them some ETH for gas. Mm -hmm. We went through this together at that workshop. in uh, Right. And I so it's remember like... which country it was anymore. It's so, it's right. Sure. Yeah. But, Regardless of the country, it was the same story, which is one of the reasons why we decided to create our own meta transactions so we would abstract the gas and pay the gas for the user. But that was after a while of doing mm -hmm. this every single time. And if you think of new users, the fact that you are already saying to them, oh, by the way, you can't use this. Let me first send you this thing called gas. And people are like, yeah, wait, what? What? <laughs> Right. So you're immediately name, right? introducing you're immediately introducing all of these unnecessary complexities into that journey. And it's again, like we were saying, you're inviting people in and then you're confusing them to the point where they're like, so, okay, so what if, you know, I spend all of that on gas, how do I get more? Right. And that's where the earning model 
comes in. So from that perspective, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one because I do see the importance of having the main chain for interoperability. I think that's important and not having to build bridges all the time. Right. So the interoperability piece works because like, let's again, take the example of the bounties network and Gitcoin, because they both sit on the same protocol. Technically, they are it should be interoperable. Right. What's on one should appear on the other. What's on one on the other should appear on the original one and so on. So for that to happen, you obviously need to have the, the same chain. They need to sit on the main one. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a question that I ate and didn't ask about the early day consensus when Gitcoin and bounties were being born together. But I, <laughs> I, I, I left that one. No, for, they were not born together. Actually, the standard bounties protocol um, came to be, and then Gitcoin adopted it and built on top of the mm-hmm. standard bounties protocol, and then we created the Explorer, the Bounties Network Explorer, because we wanted to go broad and they wanted to go deep on the open source. Okay. Which is absolutely fine. Because that's That's how I was able to explore all of these different like social impact, design, research, uh, art. We had a whole bunch of art bounties as well. So yeah, and music. Um, So that those were the, that was the the kind of the difference. Awesome. Okay, thanks for Mm -hmm. answering my question. (laughs) Okay, no. I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not going to grill you any longer. Um, one. Um, and what about? Do you want to? Do you want to put some DeFi protocol on, on the spot? Oh I mean, man! It's just. This is just like letting you be mean to whoever's coming next, though. I don't want to be mean, mainly because, you know what, I think we're all navigating this thing to the best of our abilities. And I think because of that, mistakes will be made. Mm -hmm. And some will be rectifiable and some won't be. Some will ensure that the project and the protocol and the, the, um, the work continues and improves. And some will end up getting killed. I think that, unfortunately, or not unfortunately, that's just the reality of how things work, especially when you have a technology of this incredible fertility, right? Of this incredible realm of possibility. You take somebody who starts something based on their own thinking, based on what's in their mind, based on what they feel is the best course of action at that given time. And so to evolve it and to to shape it so that it continues to be the best it can be, so that it continues to serve others rather than the people who started it, so that it continues to provide value, I think that is one of the biggest tests we all have in this ecosystem. How can you make it, uh, you know, adhere to the principles we have in Ethereum? How do you, um, you know, make sure that again, it does, it is 
based on it, it is decentralized. How does it uh, work for for everybody, not just for the few? Yeah. And that's a big problem. And we're seeing this all the time in our yeah. ecosystem, all, all the, the time, time. And, all and, the time. But the normie world so, world has solutions so the to short, this. Okay, so sorry. here's the thing: the short answer is a lot of them. Yes one because there's problems everywhere and just to point a finger at one would be to not acknowledge the fact that we are all learning together and trying to create something that is better than what we have right now but that's hard because we have to do it with all of the values and the norms and the ways we have been taught in for so long which is no this is mine which is no if i'm benefiting you lose which mm -hmm. is like all of these things that have been played to us and instilled in us for so many generations at this point that it's hard it's hard to break and it's hard to make a decision solely in a selfless yeah. manner yeah it's very hard I've been having a lot of conversations oh, yeah. with the people from the co-op world in the States. Yeah. And apparently okay. co cooperative law in the United States, it's very restrictive on how much power the initiators can yield after the initiation right. phase is complete. And right. I think there's a model there for us to, to look at. Learn because, from, yeah. Because it's so limiting that it, it kind of can also be restrictive in the sense that the initiators need to be somewhat um altruistic even like it is a, a sacrificial right. uh, move to be initiator of a co-op it's much better in, in gto it's much game game theoretically optimal to be a first wave of of leaders of a co-op than founder um or at least that's what they tell me. i'm not a lawyer but this is something we can look at and we know just the people jason weiner and and Nathan again Schneider. <laughs> and we should be learning a lot from from past experiences and from current experiences, right? Like we definitely shouldn't have that whole thing of, yes, we are trying to change everything, but by no means does that mean that does that imply that we have to completely ignore everything that has come before, right? And not take those learnings and make sure that they inform our decisions and make sure that we learn from the mistakes that have been made before and improve our methodology and improve our our course of action and this brings me to what is the question you want to or provocation or inspiration do you want who are you built I've got it. Who yeah. are you building for? Who are you building for? That's a great question. Yeah, we talk about. And I want specific. And I want specific answers here. Not the a brave new world. Not uh, you know, the Web three world. I want who who is it? Who is it that? you're solving a problem for? Who is it that you are helping with your product? Who is it that benefits right now, preferably, not in five years? Mm -hmm. um, or, or certainly what are the moves that you are making right now, you know, to prep for those five years? And I want, and, and what are those very specific things that you can, that you are doing right now 
that will prep for you know the big vision. I'm I'm all about big vision, and I I think it's important to have it as your north star. I think it's very important to have that uh, those those big lofty goals. But you have to you have to create the basis for those lofty goals with action. You have to walk the walk more than you talk the talk. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you, Simona. It was such a joy. Thank you. And I knew it would be nice. We have a bunch <laughs> of ideas. We have things to do. Absolutely. Always. All right. And let's make sure that it won't, we won't need another podcast excuse to talk with content very soon. In Corona, we have to reach out to people. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Right, Thank you darling. so much. Thank you so much for making time and hope to talk soon. Ciao. Talk soon. See you later. And that's it. Another episode of Mess Adoption. I hope you feel empowered to go out there and do some flowing and some earning. And if you want me to earn some, send your donation to messadoption.eth. With an E, of course. See you in the next one.